Justin, welcome to uh, our podcast. Very happy to have you. Great. Thanks very much for inviting me to come and join the memory team. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Tell us a bit more about about yourself and what's led you to uh, to this point. Well, my background has is or academic and or academic and practitioner background or pracademic background has been human centered design. Okay, so I'm relatively new to what would be called I don't know AEC industries or built environments. Mm-hmm. And I was actually headhunted by one of the tier one contractors, main contractors, but um actually never ended up getting to the interview because before get to the interview I was hired to give some consultancy to someone in the sort of technology space. And that was really around smart buildings and spent about eight months really kind of trying to do what in my previous life would have been called a deep dive into the space and really looking at it as as a kind of wicked problem um, because there's no one size fit all solutions for smart buildings mm-hmm. and also seeing the thing as this space as being well, a, a space but more like an ecosystem with lots of multiple stakeholders all with very different perspectives and very multiple different relationships within that space um i often use this kind of um the parable of the six blind men and the elephants to decide to describe ecosystems and i thought smart buildings was very much like that because you know in this parable of the six blind men and the elephant each one of them bumps into a different part of the elephant and think they discovered something else so the guy one who bumps into the leg thinks it's a tree trunk the one who touches a tusk thinks it's a spear the one who touches the trunk thinks it's a python and so on and so Mm -hmm. on and it's for me what i noticed in the smart building space is something similar because everyone sort of looks at it from their particular perspective and then tries to map that on to their experience of the space. So if you're in BMS, you see smart buildings as being BMS. If you're on kind of employee experience, you see it as hybrid working technologies. Mm -hmm. If you're someone who's responsible for tenants, you're someone who talks about tenants experience. So everyone has these multiple there are all these multiple perspectives looking mm-hmm. at the same thing. And what hasn't really happened, I'm not saying it's necessarily me, is someone to say, look, how do we facilitate some discussion which shows each other those different perspectives? Because there are lots of disconnects. Mm. And I suppose the most important disconnect would be like the one between those who specify and help make smart buildings happen and those who have to operate them Mm -hmm. so a lot of the reason to look at that is to think what is the real problem that needs to be solved here is it to just make a building smart you know at practical completion or is it about how a building is smart because of the way it is actually run while it's in use so that was kind of how I ended up in that space, what I've been doing. And subsequently to that, I've been sort of helping sort of different stakeholders try and get a better understanding of all those different perspectives. Mm. And often by facilitating things like gatherings, roundtables, where they have an opportunity to try and 
put their different perspectives on the table and get a better understanding of how you know the other people see this particularly those people who are on it and those people like developer owner operators who have to either who are involved in the commissioning of projects yeah i mean i think you've uh, you've highlighted some big problems there and uh, <laughs> <clears throat> ones that uh would ideally you know we would love to solve in the smart building industry so i think um definitely you've hit on something and um i know you have um and how i came across you on linkedin was uh your work talking about uh retrofit yeah and how that can get ignored um in this sort of whole uh you know race or drive to net zero um, and the new sustainability agenda. So, I mean, how are you viewing that at the moment? What is what is sort of um, your view on on retrofit and why it's being uh, why it's sort of well, it's slightly still... back to sorry, it's slightly back to my origin story because one of the reasons I became fascinated in this space is before coming into this space, I was in where sustainability met marketing, and I was helping the um, International Advertising Association connect with all the other organizations in that space who had some kind of sustainability or diversity initiative so that they might help foster collaboration between them because otherwise all those different um act, all those different initiatives were becoming fragmented and the whole wasn't greater than the sum of the parts so coming into this space i was really fascinated because i thought well actually you know unlike that space I can see how a tangible difference can be made because, you know, we've all seen the stats about, you know, emissions in operations, 75% of buildings aren't energy efficient, 80% mm -hmm. of buildings that are in use today are going to be still in use in 2050. So if there's a space that one could really make a tangible difference as far as driving towards net zero where is it mm -hmm. well it struck me looking at all those stats <laughs> let's start with buildings because they represent you know whatever it is 30 to 40 percent of all emissions etc so mm -hmm. that's where i came into that space in terms of why there isn't as much mm -hmm. around retrofit I think, you know, and this, you know, I'm sorry if I start to sound very Marxist here, but it's because follow the money. And I think until recently, mm -hmm. interest rates have been very low. So the big focus has been around new builds because, you know, borrowing was cheap. You could get a good return from property in terms mm -hmm. of rental income, etc. So that's where the focus was. It's also where a shed load of money can be made by anyone selling things into that space and mm. selling operational technology information technology building building and professional services etc so there was a lot of material there you know and if you look at all the white papers all the rating agencies have come out you know that seemed to be where the focus is but we're now seeing a shift you know interest rates are going up i was at a round table this morning organized by one of the tier one contractors and you know i asked a question you know because it was mostly full of architects and building consultants and i said you know what is the focus now for you is it more build new build or retrofit every single one of them said retrofit is now the most important area okay. so i think partly why it hasn't happened as much before because 
a lot of energy was being focused on new build. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think there's a renewed, there is a focus on retrofit. You know, the clock is ticking on drive towards net zero and 20, 30, 40, 50. So it's just about it being a time when people are going, we do need to focus on that. There's a shift in emphasis about what people are looking at to do with, you know, their portfolios. I also think there's regulatory issues. You mm, know, I was going to mention that. Do you think that you know, the well, sustainability reporting uh, is well, having that, an impact? Well, that and also, I mean, there's a famous supermarket, which I'm not going to mention, who weren't allowed to, didn't get planning permission to knock down a building on Oxford Street recently. You know, which means that they're actually their hand is being forced into retrofitting or refurbishment of it. Mm. And I think, you know, that's just one example, which is, you know, will probably be true of many others. But, you know, particularly in city centres, it may become harder just Mm. to, like, decide to, you know, get rid of a building. No, indeed. I mean, Uh, I I remember a example um another retailer but but not in uh supermarkets but uh, in in another space but again they you know they built um a building um which was perfectly acceptable then 15 years later knocking it down to produce this new energy efficient (laughs) building (laughs) it's like well you know if you take into account embodied carbon and all the other issues then you know really was it was it worth it and i i guess that's an education piece as well right that we, well, I think we need to have a better carbon, understanding of it. i think the embodied carbon thing is becoming more and more i mean if we look historically about at smart buildings and you know the, one of the people i've been co-facilitating these round tables with is an ex-arab smart building technologist who's been around since you know the mid 90s who's saying you know at the beginning it was really all about energy okay now things have changed it's not just about energy it's about sustainability it's Mm -hmm. about you know health and well-being it's about tenant experience user experience and a whole load of other things which increases the complexity in terms of the numbers of stakeholders involved but certainly you know the sustainability piece or esg is becoming you know increasingly important so i think there have been shifts all the way along you know all the way along and, you know, I, I think, you know, employees will probably have a contribution to that. You know, can we really justify that we're going to move to new buildings because it's going to be like this, you know, um, recruiting the next generation of the workforce might become more problematic if they think, that, you know, there's been all this investment on this side of things rather than on that mm-hmm. side of things. So, you know, there's lots of factors there. But one of the interesting things which did come out of the um, roundtable that, we recently co-facilitated with some of the sort of top developer owner operators in the UK was, you know, they huge consensus, but the driver was sustainability rather than the offering of more services as far as retrofit is concerned Mm -hmm. and and the, the role that smart has to play in bringing that about. So, you know, that, that's certainly, which is, been the kind of hook for me to kind of dig deeper into mm-hmm. this but i think you know that as an industry as a whole that was true and certainly the broader event i was at this morning that this round table was the round table this morning was just part of i mean that is all about sustainable construction better you know whether that's for new build or retrofit so smart to me just seems to be the other side of the coin one is about the making or 
repurposing of buildings and the other is about how they are operated better. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, listening to you talk there reminded me of your little parable at the start, right, about perspectives. <laughs> Do you get a sense that the, the people, the architects, the um, consultants... They, their perspective on smart, on energy use optimization, you know, the the actual in use part of it. Do, do they understand that well enough? Well, I don't want to be the opposite of Dale Carnegie and sort of alienate, <laughs> make friends and alienate people and lose friends and alienate people. But the biggest problem that came out not today well it is even talked about today as well so i mean i was glad that some of the key themes from the roundtable that i co-facilitated and the one that i ended went attended today were pretty much identical in terms of what they're talking about and there is a massive disconnect it seems between those who have to end up operating the buildings and those who are involved in the buildings that those people end up having to operate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether that's the um so I don't know if it's about them necessarily being ahead or behind. It's just about the different kind of conversations going on. And what wasn't necessarily pointed out today as clearly, although it was touched upon, is but there's often a skills gap. You know, it's like mm-hmm. an expectation. You know, once you start talking about data, you need data analysts. Mm-hmm. Personally, you just to go around just doing the maintenance of the HVAC and all of you know whatever other operational technology in the buildings isn't necessarily the person who's going to be able to kind of look at what the data is showing and do something about it let alone automate the doing of something about it so it's all very well and i think so is it they're behind is it or is it about the technology is got you know increased so much but you could specify you know some sort of maybe not the tardis but potentially the holodeck or something kind of equivalent of advanced technology but that doesn't necessarily you're going to mean that you're going to have the people who can then no no absolutely yeah use it so that piece i think is is still the missing bit so you can make a building smart ready connect it up whether that's you know using Net, enterprise networking technology or in retrofit there's other ways to be able to get mm. data around mm. like today i've met some people who are using radio um because it goes better through insulation mm-hmm. and walls mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. using wi-fi or whatever mm. um so there's lots of ways you can do that but ultimately the bit that still needs to come up to speed is those people are going to be operating it understanding what the data is telling them what they can do about it and I think that's where the real learning, you know, is going that that upgrade, you know, plugging that skills gap is going to be no, absolutely really critical. Yeah, and I agree. Bringing and then again, it's the education and having those skills in the right place, all of those issues as well. I wanted to ask you um, about something. I, I I read an article that you wrote, and um, this was a quote that stood out for me. So it said, "If the net zero yearly energy consumption target." that we've kind of set ourselves, right, is 55 uh, kilowatts per meter squared. And the current average is around 160 kilowatts, with best in class being 110. So basically, at the moment, a good building is 110 kilowatts of energy use per meter squared. I mean, how likely are we 
to meet these targets anyway, these these net zero targets by 2050? Well, I mean, it's, it's not looking good, is what I say. But, you know, I don't really want to be a doom, you know, merchant about this. I mean, and even the person who quoted those stats, which is Dr. Matthew Marsden mm-hmm. at JLL, you know, saying there are things we can be doing, but it's about, I suppose for me, is it's very easy to get, kind of you know excited or caught like a bunny in in headlamps about you know talking about photovoltaics you know Mm. changing all your opera you know your bms systems and all of those but there are some things that can be done straight away which can make a big dent and i think that kind of easy 30 percent of energy efficiency right which should be the yeah basically everyone's everyone's starting point yeah like before you know we started this interview we are starting to touch upon some of this you know Mm. there are some i guess this is it is you know is quite a fragmented industry the um you know ac or whatever you want to call it architecture engineering construction and particularly if you start to bring in in that and that's evident by the multiple number of trade associations there are in it you know um, dealing with every single aspect from lighting, you know, lighting alliances at Dali through mm-hmm. to, you know, IWFM for facilities managers and SIBC and UK PropTech Association, so on and so on. So, mm-hmm. but if we cannot collaborate as on this space, given how much you know, emissions come from the built environment. We've really had it, you know. So, like, if there is some way that we can get that thing kick-started with a catalyst, and I think it has to be that low-hanging fruit. And I know that, you know... So the people who who offered the stat was actually a developer and operator called Patricia, and I know that they have been working with Siemens in Germany around how they do look at that. I mean, one of the other participants in that panel was um in that round table was british land and they have got some you know like you may have 20 systems in a full-blown smart building but with retrofit you could zoom zoom in on five different ones and really focus your efforts on on those to get going right because you you, again in that in that article you talked about uh the agility of of retrofit which i thought was interesting right so these five key areas um Essentially, what you should be, if you want to get data, though there are five sort of key areas or key systems that you could focus on. If you were looking for somewhere to start and say, actually, I want some data to do this. If it's drive towards net zero, not necessarily if it's like for health and well-being or, you know, productivity for on sure. hybrid yeah. working. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're looking at it in a sustainability mm-hmm. lens, that seems to be the case. And that is also linked to the other step about 30% of your savings can be made with just mm. some simple bet you know better monitoring of all your HVAC systems mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how you turn you know and, and making so, sure you turn lights off making fan coils aren't on when people aren't in that area of the building right. all of those really simple things can drive massive direction um massive reductions now if people can start on doing that and sharing their understand, I mean, that's the thing I'm really getting at is if people can share their understandings and learning of that, mm. 
then there is some hope that, you know, yes, we can start bringing down those numbers, hmm. given that the best in class is like double <laughs> what, what it should be, what we need it what to it be, should, yeah. what it needed to be. So at least we can start bringing that down. Hmm. But And what, about, what were those five piece? systems that, that were referred to? As being the well, one. off the top of my head, I have to remember, but it's, it's going to be lighting. It's a, if you look at any diagram of smart buildings when they have operational technology, yeah. I'm pretty certain it's the same ones of those. Yeah, access control, I think, was one, wasn't it? Building management yeah. system. Yeah, BMS, lighting, mm. fire, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Those are mm -hmm. all the ones which can be relatively high energy consumption. And, and you know, and the HVAT being a major part of yeah. that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so whatever you can do to it, get better data from the building management system and start, you know, using that to make data decisions. Yeah, it is. It is a point actually that I hear um, quite a few. I've heard quite a few times about that. You know, you actually like have a better understanding of what you have already. So you, you know, you will probably have some base system. It might be old, but there'll be some data that you can get out of it. Maybe that's enough to. Uh, to do or to achieve what he, what you want it to achieve, for example, access control. That yeah, system that system can give you a, a, some uh, some data on occupancy, uh, whereas so perhaps you don't need to, uh, you know, install some new system for uh, to to measure occupancy in what would be a much more detailed way. But it might give you uh, enough for what you for as what a you're... starting place mm. and i think you know so with that agility i'd also talk about modularity too so agility this being some sort of feedback loop or action learning cycle whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. interestingly the um at the round table today they, there was a roadmap presented you know as a prototype or proto roadmap but it did the the two sides of it got it was a kind of infinity loop diagram mm -hmm. but the two bits joined up in the middle between around data, you know, measurement and performance, starting with that, looking at that, see what you've got in place, then building that out to see where you've got to mm -hmm. and then coming back through the cycle again. So that's one thing. But I also thought, you know, they were also talking about with modularity about, uh, they call it MMC, I guess it is, which is the fabrication fabrication of things. Because mm -hmm. bearing in mind, you know, unless buildings are a certain age, trying to strip out or rewire them, etc., can be problematic. So mm -hmm. anything sort of pre-early 90s, you know, historic buildings, you may be limited or have to think more creatively about solutions. Hence people talking about radio using different form you know using wi-fi rather than fiber or other things because you don't have that but with mmc you might be able to put in new ceiling systems to be able to carry those kind of things mm -hmm. they're fabricated in factories to be deployed in the in in the buildings and are using recycled materials or whatever Indeed, then yeah. The deployment can be faster. And I think what you start to see is, and this is where my sort of human-centered design thing comes in, you start mm -hmm. to see patterns that repeat themselves in certain building types so that you can then, Indeed, anyone yeah. doing the specification can then make things happen faster, yeah. basically. Yeah, anything we can do to kind of 
be more auto or, or process driven or, or it, in smart buildings is too often they're treated as buildings are just a unique which which they are but anything we can do to you know create processes that we can repeat uh, is uh, hugely important i think for retrofit well also i think you know going back to this why isn't there so much about retrofit mm-hmm. i mean you know what has driven smart buildings recently um is and you know i won't say as who exactly said it but they are one of those people whose buildings have got one of those you know high rated smart building certificates mm. said that a smart building is one which helps get the tenants in the fastest so clearly what was driving that as a developer was being able to get tenants in at a high tenancy rate for sure yeah you know whereas i think with retrofit it's slightly different whereby it might be more about trying to make sure that those buildings are run more efficiently. And, you know, yes, the upside might be that you could get more better rental income for them than, than you would do if you just left it because it isn't very sustainable. It's mm-hmm. quite expensive mm-hmm. to run yeah. all of those other things, which are ultimately going to get passed on to the tenants. Yeah. And Good. to the point that you are getting some, um, you know, facilities management companies talking about putting in platforms for free on the basis but they can then they will pay for it by the savings which are made by making them more efficient so that they say this the cost of doing making them more um you know efficient isn't then passed on with increased rates to the mm-hmm. tenants no yeah no great all good points absolutely just to to wrap up justin what, what can sure. we expect from you next what are you uh how are you going to help uh promote retrofit as a, 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 <laughs> well, an energy efficiency well, i'm running a series of events over the summer which i think your colleague owen is coming to one of them mm-hmm. um from a lighting control systems company who are 30th anniversary um this year and so we're doing one on retrofit we're doing one on new buildings we're doing one on sustainability um hopefully we will be collaborating on a a report around retrofit and um I'll be speaking to some companies there about trying to provide those different perspectives on that, you know, whether it's process, whether it's technology, mm. whether it's like, you know, low hanging fruit, you know, lessons learned, etc. Um, what I would like to be doing is trying to, you know, use all of these different things to try and work out a way of kickstarting some kind of industry collaboration between all these different organizations which kind of represent different stakeholder groups Mm. so what is it that they can be doing collectively rather than individually on on this area particularly around retrofit because you know as i say that's 80 percent of all buildings Mm -hmm. and with 75 percent of them not meeting energy you know standards then there's clearly a lot of work which needs to be done so that's next i hope fingers crossed good stuff we'll look forward to it well thanks for your time today i really appreciate it and uh yeah thanks everyone for listening as well